You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. Oh, you have a type? We've all heard this one a billion times, but have you ever really wondered if you or others are mistaking a type for a pattern that might be unhealthy? Do the majority of people you date have very similar qualities that you can classify as potential reasons that the relationship didn't progress or work out? Maybe you're attracted to someone based on past trauma, attachment style, or because you're in a toxic bond. Does any of this sound familiar to you guys? I mean, yeah. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I mean, I think I don't know the difference between like a type and like, if that's like a healthy thing to have, or if there's like, it's like on me, that's like a behavioral pattern that I'm like, going after this person because of some past trauma or some unhealthy reason, like I would have no idea how to differentiate the difference between like, I like guys with dark hair or I like guys who have abandonment issues or or what I don't know (laughs) yeah no that's that's a good point and I think it's like and we'll have to ask our guest today but I think that it's you know a trial and error type thing and then like if you keep erroring and erroring and erroring then that's probably your type that you've been going for you know like most people when they hear what's your type like you go brunette uh, blue eyes you know or uh, anything over six feet tall or I like you know muscular or, or, you know, skaters or, you know, they, there's something very general that, that you give. That's like something that you're like, that's my type, but it's not like I found out that my type is, you know, people that are going through some sort of problem where they like need a new start. And then they come crash at my house for the, for the relationship until they're ready to actually get on their feet and move on. And then I'm fucking left in the dust. Do you know what I, I mean? Know mine. mine is super clear or mine was super clear. I'm attracted to the same thing no matter what, like as far as like appearance goes, they all look like Rob. But as far as basically, I like people that look like me. I don't know if you got that (laughs) brown hair. (laughs) Then do you go deeper? Like could Rob look back and be like, yeah, I'm attracted to girls that have daddy issues. Like, do you have some? So I know mine in the past. It was people that I needed to save or help because I was comfortable with the fact that they were so unstable because of my trauma bond, my past issues, not a trauma bond necessarily, but like past issues. And so it was comfortable and easy for me to always be the stronger person in the relationship, the person that could withstand being patient or help them through their, like, I don't know, family issues or their work issues or pull them along because I had a solution for everything because that's how I am in like real life. I have a solution for everything. I can see you through an apocalypse. But so in terms of where I'm at now, now I don't want to be anyone's rock. I want to be equal rocks for each other, which means that we've got a lot of this sort of figured out, if you will, or we're aware of the traumas, 
so we can speak openly about them and not have the other person really trigger that or have them like complete me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that sounds perfectly healthy. I think the bigger question is, what was the reason why, and maybe you know this, and we can get into this later with our guests, but like, what was the reason why you were attract trying to fix these people? Is that like a distraction for you because you're trying to cover up something within yourself? I don't even know I'm making this up off the top of my head. I'm just saying. And then how do you know now, oh, I'm dating this guy red flag, red flag, red flag, because he seems to be like someone who needs to be fixed. I'm sure you figured that out. But I think we've had many guests on this show that are, you know, educated in this general vicinity. But today we're like, really happy because we've got somebody really specific too. And like figuring out behavioral patterns, it's hard enough. Like, how do we even like figure out what those patterns are? And then to, on top of it, we need to break the cycles. Like, so that we have a healthy relationship. That's so confusing. Well, I think that what, you know, I have the exact same thing that Jen does. I have the exact same thing, which is, what did you, how did you phrase it again? You said that you need to save people. Yeah. Yeah. I need to save people as well. Like I'm one of those people that like, I'll find somebody and I'll be like, I know how to do this. I know how to make this better. I know how to like bring this back into, you know, I know how to get you back on your feet and come with me and, and we'll work through all the problems you have and all that other stuff. But I don't, what's weird is that like my, uh, like, I don't know if my, my issues of why I'm single are because I take in people like that. I'm sure that's a lot of it, but, but then I have other shit on top of that because then once they don't need me anymore, then I start getting the anxiety. Then I get, start getting the attachment issues. Then I start getting like, you know, wait, 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 but I just did all this for you. Why are you fucking now? Now, why are you flying the nest? You know, so you're probably like, finding validation in the service you provide for other people. For me, it was more that I just felt comfortable in that, in that scenario. So instead of like rejecting that dynamic and saying like, uh, go get help elsewhere, sir, you need some major help. I took them in and was like, okay, I can be patient with them. So I gave them a lot of leeway where I shouldn't have. And now I don't. The reason I don't now is because I did a lot of this research into my patterns and about like the way I grew up in my But But do you think, well, do you think that is us, Jen? Do you think it's us like in the sense of like um, that we, we need to do that for somebody or is it like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I think the people that I bring in there, it's not like, do I convince them to like, they all move out of their place and then move in with me. And then I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like there, are they, are they like, do I find them in a transitional phase of their life? Probably. Yeah, like, is that what you're attracted to and why? And like, it's not, I mean, listen, it could be worse. You guys are trying to help. Like it's comes from a good place. So it's like, but what kind of damage is it doing to, for the start of a relationship? You know, like those questions are all like potentially impossible to answer because maybe it's different each time, or maybe there's, you can break it down to one simple thing, but I think that would take probably like a lot of work and therapy and stuff, which I know you guys do, but like, how do you, it's so convoluted and layered, right? But it sounds like you guys have a good handle on like shit you did. I mean, I did this too. I'm sure a million times and have patterns and I'm a, an anxious attachment type person and all these things, but we can not even go down that road right now since we're just talking about you guys, but it's not like I'm, I'm the one that doesn't have the problems over here. I mean, we all do this and figuring it out is like hard. Well, thankfully 
We have a really exciting guest on today to help us with this. She is a behavioral relationship expert. Her name is Tracy Crossley, and her work centers on dysfunctional dating and relationships. She's here to discuss how to permanently change the repetition of unhealthy, unhappy, and unfulfilled cycles personally and professionally so Rob can finally stop taking in strays. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. Tracy is an expert author and podcast host who specializes in treating individuals with unhealthy life and relationship patterns. She helps her clients with transforming imposter syndrome, insecure attachment, negative belief systems, breaking the cycle of narcissistic damage, destructive self-talk, and more. With a background in psychology and an innate emotional intuition, Tracy has helped thousands of people overcome insecure attachment through her work. Tracy's powerful ability to support others' transformations is highlighted in her new book, Overcoming Insecure Attachment, which I am buying after this. I'm going on wherever we can and buy it. Her book is talking directly to the high-functioning, high-achieving, people-pleasing, problem-solving, perfectionistic, and anxiety-driven. I think they just labeled every single one of us here. From breaking down negative subconscious beliefs to creating positive emotional connections, this book's no-nonsense steps will motivate and empower you to fully address your attachment issues and kick them to the curb. Tracy's been a guest on top podcasts such as Help I Suck at Dating, Dates and Mates, and Wind Down with Jana Kramer, among others. She's also been featured in prominent publications such as The Zoe Report, Bustle, and The Huffington Post. She's going to help us stop dating in circles by identifying our negative cycles. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. So Tracy, there's one thing that we ask everybody when they first come on the show. It's a must know. Are you single? Are you taken? Or is it complicated? Oh, I'm going to be very simple. I'm in a healthy, happy relationship. Good. As an expert, we always hope for that because we're like, what are you going to teach us then? (laughs) You know what? I don't know. I kind of want to get, I want to get more fucked up people on the show. Everybody's like, I'm in love and I'm happy. And it's like, I want to, I need somebody that relates to me. I was going to say, it took me a really long time to get here. So I didn't get here overnight. Uh, this is my second marriage, and my first marriage was uh, not healthy. And everything in between, not healthy. This is actually my first healthy relationship. Yay, you. All right. Well, congratulations. Congratulations on that. How long like, do you feel? I mean, I'm sure you're always a work in progress like everybody. But how, I mean, it that took like a really long time for you to get from like, Probably when you started dating, I don't know, in high school, college to like this point. I mean, should people be a little gentler on themselves if it's taking 10 years, a decade, whatever, to figure out like what your patterns are or what you could do to be different? And even in your relationship now, I'm sure you're constantly evolving. I think you're always evolving if you're a person who's open to growth in the first place. And you know, a lot of times you're only aware of where you are. Like, I'm aware of whatever it is today. And maybe tomorrow I might be aware of more. And so you have to have some compassion and some kindness for yourself because you only know what you know. And I wish I would have known this stuff, you know, 20 years ago, but I didn't know. And I was, you know, toxic Tracy probably. So yeah, I'm sure that's what they all called you. Yeah. Behind my back. But do you think <laughs> that you have to have compassion for somebody who is very against therapy and coaching? Like I, I find it really hard to give anybody slack if they're super opposed to it. If you're in it and you're just not great at it yet and you're still mastering things or I mean, when do you ever master anything? But if you're still 
a work in progress, let's say, at least you're having help along the way. For those that just don't want it or don't believe in it, then like, can they not just go fuck off? <laughs> you know, I used to go with that whole idea, but I've actually, I think it's either the older I've gotten or from just doing this work. I have a lot more compassion just for everybody because you only know what you believe, right? So you usually glom on to things that are meaningful to you based on your beliefs, whether they're beliefs everybody agrees with or doesn't agree with. And it's the same thing in relationships. Some people literally think it's other people that are the problem or there is no problem. I mean, people get in relationships with people all the time and you are like, oh my God, we have all these issues. And the other person's like, what issues? What are you talking about? Everything's fine. Which is scary. Because if you're in that situation and you're like, hello, how do you not see this? Like the inability to self-reflect is like frightening. So like Jen's saying, is that like, is that like major red flag? Like, I mean, you're saying have compassion, but like, I would have a hard time like sitting around for something like that. It would feel just too deep to try to help or work out. How do you communicate with the other person if you don't have the same tools or if they don't understand what you're saying or believe what you're saying. Like I was in a relationship with somebody who kept saying all of these nasty things to me and projecting on me and told me I was like very high maintenance. And while I might be high maintenance in some areas, the things he said I was high maintenance in were not true at all. I was actually very easygoing and let him run amok through our relationship. And and I just sort of went along for the ride in hopes he would hang out with me. And so it felt like I would say my feelings and he would say that I'm this terrible creature and I'm lucky to be around him. And I'm like, wait, but so my feelings are not allowed. How do I communicate if I can't tell you what my feelings are and why? Right. Well, that, okay. So here's the thing. You still can have compassion. It doesn't mean you belong in a relationship with somebody like that, but, but, okay, here's the thing. A lot of times we get into toxic dysfunctional relationships And not only are you judging yourself, you're usually talking to your friends. And so then you've got a whole bandwagon of people telling you to get out of this fucked up shit. And the problem is it just creates pressure. And then you feel worse about yourself. And the thing is, you don't know why you're there in the first place. It's like you probably had at the time no idea. Like, how did I end up here? Why am I here? Why am I choosing this? And we don't really own the choice. And when you don't own the choice, it's because you usually don't know what your motivation really is. You have an idea, but you don't want a deeper level. Like, what's my dysfunction that makes me want to be here with this person? And that's really the first place to go when you have a dysfunctional relationship. What's my dysfunction? (laughs) That's, that's, no, but seriously, that's, I mean, that's what you should, this is what we were talking about at the top. We were saying we like to save people. In, in past relationship, you know, with, with people about dating and like getting past yourself in order to be in a functional relationship, we've had to look at ourselves. I mean, the bottom line is what's my dysfunction, I guess, right? Yeah. And in your book, uh, Overcoming Insecure Attachment, it says that you speak directly to high functioning, high achieving, people pleasing, people uh, problem solving, perfectionists, and the anxiety driven, which I think I fall under like six of those. But like, what I said in the beginning was that, like, uh, you know, we were talking about type and like, what's your type? And I was saying that in order for you to know what your type is, you kind of have to be a little bit further along in the dating process because you're like, nope, I like that. I don't like that. It's like a trial and error type thing. Your book, is this for people that are like coming out of, I don't know, you, like a first marriage or a relationship number five or something like that where they kind of understand? which one of these they are, because 
you can't, you don't know what high achieving is if you haven't been a high, like a high achieving person. You can't understand what people pleasing is or anxiety, like that anxiety driven. I get right off the bat. I'm like, yep, that's me. You know, does, is it more for like the advanced dater who still hasn't landed that person or called in that person? You know, it's really for anybody who's in or out of a relationship. It's not just for people that are single because a lot of people will email me or, you know, I, I hear feedback because I have a podcast too. And, you know, a lot of times people think they're in some kind of a relationship that's healthy, that is not healthy. I mean, not healthy. So what I find is people can use this in the relationship they're in right now, or if they're out dating, I find that most people that are drawn to my work have probably done some work on themselves. It's not like they haven't gone to therapy or done something. I find also that they're a little bit on the open and I'm saying a little bit, I get people that aren't super open. I still get people that are stuck way down the rabbit hole in victimhood, you know, where this is happening to them. They haven't taken responsibility, but they like the stuff I'm saying. And so it, you know, it resonates because it kind of makes you feel better. You know, when you're listening to something over and over, like people go, I listen to you when I go to sleep. I listen to you in the shower. I listen to you in the background. And it's kind of that, okay, things can get better, but they're not really taking action on it kind of thing. So really people are all in different positions, I would say, but, but they have found that buzzword insecure attachment. And that's probably what's drawn them to me in the first place. So you're, you're a relation, a, a behavioral expert. Now, does every behavior we have stem from what our parents did to us as children or are these things <laughs> that come from oh. other places and we develop them along the way? Who's to blame and how do you know if you have them? Okay. So, and that's a great question because it's, it's sort of far reaching, right? We have a, I think a culture of blaming others all the time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it must've happened because of this, which has nothing to do with us. And the truth is we're all born with personality, right? Because you can look at your siblings and you're different than your siblings, even though you grew up in the same household. So you look at people and what it is, is that like, with me and my brother as an example, right? I grew up with a parent that was anxious and a parent that was avoidant. And their personalities, I'm more like my dad who is more avoidant, right? But I was also, I'm more like the anxious avoidant. Like that's how I was in an out of relationship. So what often happens is people pick up, you have conditioning, right? You grow up in an environment, it has an effect on you because you're a little sponge and you're trying to figure out What's this world? What's my place in it? What am I doing here? You know, how would I do this right? Ooh, I don't want to do it wrong because I get in trouble. I don't like that. And so we develop these ideas about ourselves and how the world operates. And then as you grow up, you bring this shit forward. You bring it into your job. You bring it into relationships. You bring it all over the place, like everywhere you go. Now, does that mean it's all about attachment? No, it's personality. And then you kind of just layer the attachment on top because it's your conditioning. It's all about your conditioning. So that's what makes the mix because somebody with your personality could be in a healthy, happy home and somebody with your personality could be in a dysfunctional home and you're going to have two different people with two different styles. And Tracy, do you find that people are, if they start to do this work and they're like, okay, I'm seeing a behavioral pattern and they're listening to you and they're reading books and things. Do you find that they're often correct about diagnosing, if you will, themselves on what behavioral pattern or how to start even to call themselves out on what their issue is. Like, do you find that 
the percentage of people are usually correct about that or that it's really hard to be able to honestly self-reflect and that it's like better for a professional or a friend to help you like an outside perspective or can we all trust ourselves? Okay. So that's a great question too. I love these questions. You guys have got some good ones here. So thank you. I'm just trying to figure out if I'm right calling myself super anxious, which I'm pretty sure is an anxious question. Oh, I thought, Lauren, I thought you were calling us out. I thought you were calling Jen and I. Uh, No, I've taken every quiz under the sun. In fact, what I was thinking when you were saying how things layer on, I was like, well, I'm a Capricorn mixed with what I think is secure attachment. And my love language is this. And I'm like, how many more tests can a person take and combine all of these qualities? I am positive I'm anxious. And so I'm like, how anxious am I? Tell me, Tracy, tell me. No, but, which is an anxious <laughs> question. But are we, are we right when we're like trying to reflect? Or are you like, as a professional, it's really hard for you to get that right? Like you need someone else to help you? Or what? Do you, I don't know. What do you think? Okay, so I think it's great to have a professional help you. When you do it yourself, this is the problem. And this isn't just with attachment. I think it's just a problem in general is that we look for labels as human beings because we're trying to put things into like an intellectual order. So, oh, I can look here. This is me. I'm categorized. Like you're saying, like I'm a Capricorn, this and that, right? I mean, how many different things can we be? Isn't there an Enneagram and human design and, you know, like you name it, right? And the problem is you can get really locked into these descriptions and then you're not going to see outside of that. So, and I'll give you an example. Like a lot of times people come and they'll be anxiously attached to somebody and I start talking to them and I go, okay, this person has some avoidant tendencies too. And you may not see that. And unless you have somebody else who can see like what your shit is, it's very difficult to, to do it on your own. And then also at the same time as that, couldn't you be one thing in one dynamic and another thing in another? And then that's when you discover like, okay, well, if I'm skewing any one way, that's not just in the middle. I'm probably in a bad situation for me mentally. You mean if you're dating like one person, you act anxious right. and you're dating like when I've taken a test to try and diagnose myself with which attachment style I have. Sure. If you had asked me at the time I was in the relationship, that was my worst relationship ever. I was in an anxious attachment style. But if you asked me today, what my answers would be while I'm not in a relationship, I could tell you what I would and wouldn't allow myself to think or do because I hopefully no right from wrong in terms of what's healthy for me. I would hope. And different people bring different things out in you too, or right. trigger different things. And so it could like Tracy saying, well, you're calling yourself this, but I'm also now a professional. I'm seeing little bits of these things like it's gray, but what, first of all, before we even get into that, what are the different behavioral styles or are the behavioral attachment styles that we can kind of try to categorize, I guess. Sure. Okay. So, and I say sure, like, because people ask this and it's a great question again, because people want to know like, okay, how does this work? I go with the original um, styles because they had decided in the sixties, it was uh, Dr. John Bowlby, who's the guy who basically came up with insecure attachment. Well, he came up with attachment theory, not insecure attachment, attachment theory. And this woman, Mary Ainsworth, she was his assistant. She went on to do the strange experiment and kind of come up with these styles. And then ever since then, there is so many people out there that have come up with all different styles. Basically, what I did is I decided it all boils back down to the originals, which is avoidant, anxious avoidant, or anxious. Because basically, 
you're anxious, whether, you know, and I, I kind of laugh because I was an anxious avoidant, dependent on the person. It's like, oh, you care less than me, then I like you, right? So, and they have all the control. But my whole goal was, oh no, I need to be the one who cares less so I can have the control. Like all my relationships were about control. <laughs> oh, God, see everything you're saying. I'm like, that's me. No, wait, that's me. Uh Oh, that's me. I'm like, oh. yeah, but you're in the relationship. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that these patterns, I mean, for whatever reason, I got past the phases of the relationship to commitment, but like, that doesn't mean that these patterns don't maybe cause issues that come up over and over and over and over again. You know, when you're in a relationship, you always, I mean, the, the, specifics of the argument can be different, but it's usually about the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. Gosh, I'm like, what kind of rabbit hole could I go down now with like, yeah, yeah. anxious, definitely anxious. All of the anxiousness is there, (laughs) but it's definitely deeper and more complex than that. But it's, should we get James in here now? Should we get him in and just sit him down? I'm eight, nine months pregnant. And he's like, is there like marijuana or pot that you could smoke that's like safe for a pregnant person because you need to like calm it down I mean he doesn't say it like that but he's very aware of <laughs> well that was actually pretty nice if he yeah. did say it like that it could have been a lot worse like calm the fuck down oh no he's not no but I'm aware I'm also aware of my flaws but as we all are but okay so those are the three main what happened to secure I thought there was a secure attachment or is that just no one's really secure ever well okay so I was talking insecure attachment, but yeah, there is secure attachment and secure attachment. This is the funny thing with secure attachment is that I talk to a lot of people that are insecurely attached to believe they're securely attached. I'm like, look, somebody who is secure is not going to be with somebody insecure. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they want that drama? Why would they look for drama? They wouldn't. They want to have somebody where, hey, you know what? I'm up front. I'm progressing the relationship. There's consistency which is all the things that aren't there when you have an insecure attachment. You don't have consistency. You don't have progression of relationship. And I'm talking emotionally, even though you may get married and you may be together. You know, there are a lot of people I work with that are in relationships too. So it's really about knowing that secure attachment is possible. Like I feel like I have secure attachment. I'm actually married to somebody who has secure attachment. Doesn't mean he didn't have issues or, you know, flaws or whatever or his own insecurities, but not when it came to attachment. You know, he never. But do you think that was because of you? Like, do you think it's because the, like the work that you've done in the secure attachment that you have, your security made him secure? Yeah. Uh, okay. I would say yes to that. But he literally, when I started dating him, <clears throat> he didn't even understand half of the shit I had been through. Like he was like, Oh, like, like that's really interesting, but no, I haven't experienced. So he that. had oblivious, huh? He had oblivious yeah. attachment. We call that oblivious <laughs> attachment, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, did. he didn't. Really would somebody that. maybe see somebody who's secure as avoidant if they are anxious? Because if you're kind of like whatever about things, and they're like testing the water to try and like you know tempt fate and gauge your temperature and all of the things to see if you actually feel, and you're kind of like not reacting could they feel that you're avoidant or will they understand like oh i guess i don't have to do that because i mean i would assume it's annoying so like you're saying if you are secure you'd get annoyed by the drama somebody else is bringing like i would i i just wouldn't want somebody questioning me all the time if i i mean what i say so it's really annoying to me when somebody does question me because i'm like the words were the words i meant it get over it like 
if I'm fine, I actually meant I'm fine. Otherwise you would get a boatload of information you never probably wanted to hear because I wouldn't be fine. So it annoys me so immensely if somebody challenges me on what I believe to be my character and what I am relaying. If I say I'm okay, or if I say this upsets me, those are the answers. That makes sense. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Unless, unless you're incorrect about your assessment of yourself, which I don't know if that, ha- I mean, I'm not saying you are. Well, Lauren, Somebody I general, just said maybe. what I said and I know it. So <laughs> I'm going to question you on it. And so is Lauren. And we're going to see how that goes. But Tracy, there's also steps to recognizing like anxious and avoidant attachment styles. You said there's like eight proven steps to like help people because we're all talking about like, what are we and what are we feeling? And are we attracted to these type of people? Are they like, are there, are there like a couple of top easy ones that you could throw out just that people could like just know, okay, these are kind of the things that you work with. And it's not, it is actually digestible and easy to sort of start from here and then help yourself. Um, You know, there's, I mean, obviously there's eight steps to a healthy relationship. There's probably, I mean, you could go and say, oh, there's so many more, but really one of the important things I find is that most people aren't focused on themselves. They're focused on other people. And the problem with that is you Mm. never know how you feel. You don't know what's really going on inside of you. And it's funny because a client told me today, she's like, you know, I went in on a date and we had done a a group coaching call yesterday. And she said, I realized after the date, you had said to pay attention. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel connected? Do you feel like there's something going on inside of you? Are you having fun? We're not noticing this. Usually we're just so busy trying to impress the other person or come off you know, in a certain way, I always call it like putting your dating face on. And really, when you when you sit with yourself, you know, on a date, you're sitting there, pay attention and go, Oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And she noticed that she goes, I was so checked out of myself. I didn't know what was going on with me. She was so into focusing on is this guy going to like me or not like me, rather than do I Mm. even like being here? And why or why not? And so those are important steps to take. I mean, it's one important step, which is Pay attention to yourself and take the focus off of other people being a win or a lose and be curious about how your behavior is. What are you doing? Uh, I'm sure everybody does that on dates. Like you just said that I'm like thinking about when I was dating, like how do you not, people probably classify as like I, I was in my head or whatever, but that's actually not helpful. What you just said is so much more specific and so much more relatable. Like the example that your friend made, like, I'm sure that everyone could be like, yep, totally done that. And you don't even know you're doing it. It's just like happening around you and the date's over and you're like, well, I feel like it's obvious. Also, if you do ask somebody what they like about someone and their answer is like very like bullet pointed things. And it's not about how they feel about the person. It's more just like a resume versus like, or how you feel or how you feel about right. that person and how you feel in that moment. And like that, I mean, you can't, it's like, sometimes you, you're just not even paying attention that you're so in your head about like, are they going to like me? What do I say next? Like, it's kind of like interviewing skills when you are in like a hosting class they tell you like, don't think about your next question, listen to the person and then go from there, like try to be more in the moment. It's very hard to do. It is, but you know, it takes practice. Like when I started dating, okay, so backing up about five years, right? So I decided, hey, I want to get into a relationship. I've been doing this um, at that point. I guess I've been doing this about nine years, coaching people. 
And so I was not in a healthy relationship. I was still in the, all these jacked up situations. And so when I decided, okay, I'm going to commit to wanting a healthy relationship, I had to stop doing a lot of the behaviors. Like I was a good ghoster. I was great at that, um, you know, because who wants to deal with that? And um, so I had some interesting conversations that came from it. But um, all along, I just kept making a decision to be curious about myself. And what the cool part I had never liked dating. I was just a crappy dater. I didn't like it. It was not my bag. And I hear it from a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to date. But point is what I, I discovered was I started to be curious, like the things I just talked about. I started to actually pay attention when I, I was on a date. And I could be on a date with somebody and going, okay, I'm kind of bored. And yet I would see myself trying to get a date with somebody I had no intention of going out with again, because of course you want them to like you, even if you, you know, you don't want to go out with them again. And so that I had to really pay attention and go, no, be real, Tracy, say what is real. And then I would, and I got better at it and it became more fun because then I go on a date and I go, okay, I'm not going to be disappointed at the end. If it's, you know, not going to work out or whatever. I thought I'm going to learn something. They're going to learn about myself or somebody's going to, you know, share something with me and I'll learn something new. Like a guy I went out with at one point, he had a, a winery in his backyard or, you know, he was growing grapevines and he made wine. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Even though I didn't continue dating him, I'm like, okay, I learned something. Okay. So I wouldn't want to go home and like eat a gallon of ice cream. So it was cool. Which is where you got your ghosting from, right? Is what you would make the game. Like, let me see if I can get the second date that you didn't want. And then you'd get the second date and then you wouldn't call them back. Uh, it, is that where the ghosting <laughs> came from? It would be. And when I, <laughs> and when I had to not ghost somebody, it was somebody I was actually attracted to. Uh, but I knew it was going to be so just, it was, it was going to be fucked up. It was going to be what I'd always done. It's like, oh, you're from out of town. You're here temporarily. Oh, this is good. Like that would be old me, right? Because I said, I want a committed relationship. And so, and I had chemistry with this guy and chemistry, you know, was always the thing. And so he was leaving town in six months and I'm like, okay, I can't go out on a third date with this dude. I cannot do this. And so he called me to go on a third date and I told my friend, I'm like, oh shit, I got to call him back. And I had all this, you know, I was just like totally uptight. So I did. And it was a half hour conversation where he's like, no, we have great chemistry. You know, I could be that guy. I could be your soulmate. I could be your sex slave. I could be whatever you want. Yeah, Whoa. he was like promising me everything. Sounds like know? he was and anxious. Like, I cannot. <laughs> I think he might have been. Um, but yeah, I went and did that. And then I had to go have a margarita. So don't blame you at all. So your yeah. book offers eight steps to figuring out if you are insecure and have that attachment style. But now you also talk about how to overcome it. So now you've done this work. Let's say you get through the book. There's eight steps. You diagnose yourself with insecure attachment. What do you do to overcome it? Do you just immediately call you and schedule an appointment? Or like, are there actional items there? I mean, in the book, I made it very action oriented. I made it almost like a how-to guide because I always found when I'd read self-help books, it's like, oh, these are great ideas. And then I feel like I was, um, you know, I'd sucked all the ideas in, but then I didn't know how to take action. I didn't know what to do. So the book actually gives you action steps that you can take. And it's written out in a way that you go through the first three chapters, which basically tells you about awareness and feeling your feelings. And it also talks about insecure attachment and the drama triangle. So you do that and then you can go to any chapter you want. So like there's one on perfectionism, right? 
So you can go there if you want. If that's something you're like, oh God, I'm always looking for the perfect person. I'm not looking for a real person, you know, or I am a people pleaser. I don't want people to hate me. I need everybody to love me. So you can go to any of those chapters. And then the last few of them, I think it's the last three of them, because I um I have it's two of the last steps and then there's like a bonus chapter. And so basically those are the tools on, okay, these are the things you need to do. The first six are the things you stop doing. The last two are the things you start doing plus the bonus chapter. Mm, I like that. I like that. The, stop this before you start that. Because so many people want to just jump off where they are and then go into like the self-help and like, you know, the forward process where they haven't taken the time to sit in what they've, they're learning about themselves. Stop this, do that. I like that. That's a, that's new. From somebody who takes a lot of self-help, who reads a lot of self-help books and YouTube videos and all that other stuff, that's that's something very new. I like that a lot. And then you also mentioned you have a um, how to change your life in ninety seconds. Message. Change us. Okay. We have ninety seconds for, for today. For today's wait, 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 wait. <laughs> for today's day and age, you really know how to hook them. Yeah. You know how to hook them for today's day and age. I mean, ninety seconds. That's 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 a TikTok video, isn't it? I think isn't so. It, isn't that I a TikTok think I have video? It. I might have that on TikTok. I actually don't know if I have it on TikTok video. I'll have to check that out. Can we change our lives right now? Um, I don't know if you could do it right now, unless you're in a place that you don't want to be. Do you want to be where you are well, right now? Don't we always want to be somewhere else? Isn't that self improvement? Okay. Jen wants to be married tomorrow, so she's not in the place she wants to be right now. She wants to be married tomorrow. It's true. You say it all the time. Where is he, Rob? See? So, Tracy, okay. <laughs> 90 seconds. So I'll seconds. tell you what the 90 seconds is so it's a little more clear. And it's something that my clients use all the time. And that's why I say you could do it in 90 seconds. So it's about staying 90 seconds where you don't want to. And I'll give you examples of what I mean. So let's say you're on a date. You're going. You don't know, you know what this person's going to be like. You don't have high hopes. You're kind of thinking, oh, shit. Okay, this is going to be another dud. And you already have it kind of in your head. Prejudge the situation. So instead of doing that, because that's fear, okay? So fear is always that negative voice, like, oh, shit, I got to protect myself. Something bad could happen here. It's when you get to the date, instead of running or having a girlfriend call to get you out of the date or whatever it is that you do to get, you know, to get out of there, you sit with your uncomfortable feelings for 90 seconds, five minutes, 10 seconds, whatever you can manage. And you stay there so that you can get through the fear and get to the other side of it and do something about it. And, you know, like I was talking mm. to one of my clients today and he was saying, he's like, I did the 90 seconds again. And he always tells me I did the 90 seconds because he's dating and he wants to, you know, rip his arm off to get out of the, you know, out of bed and out the door as quickly as possible. Right. And I'm like, dude, just stay, you know, 90 seconds. If you stay 90 seconds, you're going to find that that fear is irrational. You don't even, because you want to know, why am I even having this fear? What is making me want to run out the door? If you stay with that discomfort, it basically dissipates and you find there's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing is really happening here. So it's like convincing yourself that the fight or flight is not, I mean, you might be feeling it, but you're not actually going to die. Right. Because, okay, so that is something that I should probably do often because there is a lot of uncomfortability in my life sometimes with things and like sitting. Yeah. You just want to get up and go, especially when you're having anxiety. It's like you want to crawl out of your skin. So sitting in it and moving through it, realizing I'm not going to die. It's going to be okay. Like those feelings, it's not as like 
crazy or scary as you think it might be, that's probably helpful to then just like prove to yourself like, okay, everything's all right. These things happen. It's not, it's not to make it ever go away. It's to know for the next time when it comes that like you can. Oh, it goes away. It goes away. Like it'll come back again. I mean, that feeling might in another situation could come back again where you're feeling really scared or whatever. And then now you have the tool to prove to yourself that it's not quite as catastrophic as you're making it out to be. But on the other side of that, anxiety is something that like, is, isn't anxiety like what you're making up in your own head and then you're, you're creating a, a situation and then to like- a story. To something that doesn't, yeah, to something that exists, but you're making, to a mm-hmm. story, right? To something that you're make, kind of making up. Like, I mean, it could, like, for example, say if like your girlfriend hasn't come home and she said she'd be home at, uh, you know, two o'clock in the morning and then she's not home yet. And so, you know what I mean? Like there could be nothing wrong. She just be at, you know, Jack in the box getting some food. But then you start making up situations in your head and you sit in that anxiety. If you sit in that for 90 seconds, aren't you going to make it worse? Here's the thing that most people do. We want to avoid our feelings. And this is in the book too. It's, uh, I think it's chapter, I forgot which chapter it is, one or two, uh, where I'm talking about feeling your feelings, including anxiety. Anxiety is a reaction. Anxiety isn't really a true feeling. And a lot of us want to run from it. We want to distract. We want to, you know, numb it, do anything because it's like one of the Clean the house. Yeah. Whatever, right? Um, and and that and disappointment. We never want to feel disappointment. Those are the two big feelings that most people want to avoid. But if you sit with anxiety, and what I what I always tell people to do, locate it in your body, and just focus on the feeling. It's like riding a wild bull or something. That's always what I always felt like. Like I was riding, you know, something because it would come in waves. And you start to notice, oh, it mm-hmm. peaks and it goes down and it peaks and it goes down and it gets less. And then there's different things you can do with it. Like you can do a release, like you can go back in time and go, okay, I have this feeling right here in my chest, right? And it feels heavy and I have anxiety. Okay. And you're not thinking and trying to outthink yourself. You're just feeling. So when you do this and you go, okay, I remember I was five and this happened. So you can do a whole reframe of it. I have that actually is in the book too, like how to actually feel your way through it. Because what starts to happen, like I don't, I get uptight, but I don't get anxiety anymore. I had anxiety most Mm. of my life and I don't. And one of the reasons is because I get in my body. Most of us are heads walking around supported by a body. We're not in our body where our emotions are because your emotions aren't up here. Your emotions are down here. So if you're actually in connection with them, you're giving yourself attention which when you have anxiety, usually you're not, you're trying to get the hell out of your body. But if you stay in your body and you feel your way through it, you can actually conquer it and you can get to the other side. So that's a simplified version of it though. So feelings and emotions aren't the same because you feel emotions. You feel a physical sensation and you know you can have, so I, I look at it like this. You have physical sensations that tend to have an emotion wrapped up in it. And I'll tell you why. Let's say you're driving down the street and something runs in front of your car and you slam the brakes on. What's your face look like when that happens? Like shocked. Like, oh. Right. Or like grimaced or whatever. And your whole body's tense, right? right? Well, our muscles have memory. All of that has memory. And usually if something scares the shit out of you by running in front of your car or somewhere else, you're probably going to look pretty much the same every time you do it. Your body's going to have the same reaction. Well, that's where your, your emotions, if you want to call it, they live in those places. It's like it lives in there mm. because it's got all that muscle memory. So you have physical sensations. That's what you look for. 
And then <clears throat> you look at, I'm having an emotional reaction, right? Like I have anxiety or I'm crying or, you know, anger, because anger to me isn't a real deep emotion. Resentment is a deeper, you know, emotion to me. So you go and you want to find your deeper emotions eventually. You can't do it right off the bat, but the more you do it, then you can find out what is my motivation? Because you always want to get to what your motivation is. What's my motivation for being here, not being here? Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? And so, you know, these are ways that you start to uncover all your shit because then you're not such a mystery to yourself. I like that. I mean, this is all making a lot of sense because it's literally breaking down like to the basics of like genealogy and everything. You know, it's 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 like you're you it's what, you know, happens in your the the brain synopsis what goes off in certain things, you know, and that's more from when I've been on the podcast more like it, it just makes more sense scientifically of why it's going on. And when you think about things scientifically, you take it out of the the quote unquote reality, the physics of it, right? And you take it out of there and then you're like, all right, well, this is how this works. It's like taking apart a computer and being like, this is why this button does this to this instead of being like the whole thing's, you know, working against right. you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's, that's making a lot of sense to me. I like it. I like it. Like I said before, I'm, I'm, I'm in yeah, on Yeah, I totally agree. The stopping the thing before you start another thing helps too, because we always say this word on the show, like everything's so overwhelming. It's like trying to even figure out what's wrong with you and then how to stop the cycle and then how to like, and it's just like, people just give up, I'm sure. It's great to have a professional opinion like you and a book like yours to help break down the process. But simply said, stop, figure out what it is, stop that thing and then start another one. And it's like, way more digestible, way more easy to approach, way less scary, gives me way less anxiety. And I think it would just save people the trouble from repeating patterns. So next time we see people going through a dynamic multiple times, or just whatever the next time is, we hand them your book and say like, hey, I think maybe you should stop everything, read this book, and then participate in your life once you've read all of the chapters, because you need a break in this cycle. So where can we and everyone else listening buy the book to give to those people who are obviously not us because we're perfect, but everybody else needs this book. So how can we get it to them? Um, you can find it basically at any bookseller. You can find it online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, like literally independent booksellers. It's all over the place. Like every time I look for it, I'm like, oh, it's there. So anywhere. And if people want to join your mastery program, um, that's like transformative, right? Like it takes 12 months. How, where can they find that? They can go to my website, tracycrossley.com. And if they're really, you know, okay, I want to do this, they can email happiness at tracycrossley.com and they can talk to um, my client relations person who will just give them the lowdown on how it all works. Okay, great. That sounds uh, like a, a direct path to happiness. And then if people want to just check in with you and see what you're doing on like a day to day basis, where can they find you on social media, Instagram, TikTok? They can find me um, Tracy L. Crossley on Instagram. I, I screwed this up. Like I was one of those people when I did my social media that I had like 15 different names. They're like, can you change them all? No. So I have like Tracy L. Crossley on TikTok. I think it's just Tracy Crossley. Um, but yeah, if you just pop me in Google, you will find all of those. So yes, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. As you should be. And hopefully you'll be in everyone's homes and hands and minds soon enough because we got to help the people. We do. That's what we're here for. 
I love it. We're, and we're also here every week, you guys. So don't forget to keep tuning in to our show because although we have experts like Tracy on our show, we are learning and growing and we have little tips and tricks too. So keep tuning in to It's Complicated where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And our next week, our guest is chef and TV personality, Dean Sheramit. So tune in for that. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share with a friend. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. Jen? You can find me at Jennifer Golden everywhere online. And Rob? You can find me at Forever Zevers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S-E-V-O-R-S on Instagram. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meds. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers.